Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You're my disciples. Do you know? Who am, do you think I'm just a great teacher? Do you know who I am? You see, how we answer this question, this is the most important question in all of your life. When you stand before God on Judgment Day, here's the main question will be given to you. Number one question, what have you done with my son, Jesus Christ? That's what you'll be asked. If you would answer, well, I think he was a nice guy, he's a lot of ways to God, you already know what the decision is, don't you? We, as humans, have a question that we must answer for ourselves. The answer to this question will determine your eternal destiny. The good thing is that God has given us the answer to this question in his word. In today's message, Pastor Mark reminds us of the most important question we will ever wrestle with. Who do you say that Jesus is? It was first asked of the disciples, is he just a good man, a great moral teacher, one of many ways to God? On Judgment Day, your answer will determine whether you spend eternity with him or apart from him. Read God's word, get it right. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part one of his message entitled, What's This Thing Called the Church? Why church? The church with walls and the church without walls. Who started this thing? What's it about? Is this man's idea or God's idea? You're going to see today that the, that the, New, Testament, uh, the New Testament has all to do with the church. It isn't an Old Testament deal. And some of you need to understand that the New Testament church, well, it isn't really related to the Old Testament and the synagogue and the temple. It's very different, and of course that's what's going to shock uh, the disciples as we see that word used for the first time by Jesus. He's about six months from going to the cross, and he introduces a brand new concept called the church. Our series, Why Church? We begin Matthew 16, verse 13. Now when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, he's alone with his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? So the word on the street is all about Jesus. Jesus wants to know in this interesting setting what people say about him. Now, I don't believe Jesus picked this setting by accident. He actually goes about 25 miles north near Mount Hermon, which is the the tallest mountain in in Israel, this city was known for pagan worship. So notice the setting, and I think it would be very interesting for you. Well, Jesus says, basically, what's the word on the street about who I am? Well, look at verse 14. 
The disciples replied, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah. Others say Jeremiah one of the old, or one of the Old Testament prophets. In other words, as he asked, they say, well, some people say you're a great teacher, some a prophet, some a miracle worker, some just, just a good man. If you went to the streets today and said, who's Jesus? You get those same kind of answers. They didn't realize, the person on the street didn't realize that Jesus was not just a great teacher. He wasn't just a prophet. He was the actual son of God. He was God and he was the Messiah. Then Jesus does something very interesting. He takes it from a general statement and makes it very public, right in your face. And when we read the word you in this next verse, you is is plural. He's speaking to all 12 disciples. Look what he asked in verse 15. But what about you? Who do you say I am? Jesus says, I don't really care about what other people think about me. You're my disciples. Do you know who I am? Do you think I'm just a great teacher? Do you know who I am? You see, how we answer this question, this is the most important question in all of your life. When you stand before God on Judgment Day, here's the main question will be given to you. Number one question, what have you done with my son, Jesus Christ? That's what you'll be asked. If you would answer, well, I think he was a nice guy, he's a lot of ways to God, you already know what the decision is, don't you? If you say, well, I believe he's God, you have to do more than that. You have to believe he's God and then he lives in your life. So Jesus says to them, don't pay attention to what other people think. By the way, when I watch CNN and I see these all these religious people telling me what I should be doing in the book of Revelation, this, this religious person, here's what he said. Well, we believe in all the Bible, but the book of Revelation, you couldn't ever replace it and do anything with it that has anything to do with it. It's just allegories, it's nice little stories about the, has nothing to do with us. What? Well, it doesn't upset me too much. <laughs> you know why it upsets me some? Because the world looks at CNN and goes, man, this guy's religious. And they're deceived, but we're not deceived. So Jesus says, don't pay attention to what people think. What do you think? And some interesting things happen. Two things you want to write down quickly this morning. First one is this. Our profession, Jesus is going to get these guys to answer the question. Our profession of Christ must be personal and public. See, Christianity is not a secret sect. It's not a secret following of Jesus Christ. It's public. It's open. When you make a profession of faith, it's open. When you go to be water baptized, it's open. It's not something to be hidden. It is also personal. The second thing you want to write down is our relationship with Christ must be firsthand and active. You see, when we begin this walk with God, this relationship, it it has to be active. It's ongoing. That's why you're going to see the church doesn't stay within the walls. Church goes home with us. It can't be what other people think. It can't be, well, my dad's a Christian, my mother's a Christian, my grandfather wasn't. That's really nice. But you have to say, what do you think about Christ? It has to be firsthand. Well, look at, who do you think of the 12 would answer first? You already know good old Pete's going to answer. Here he is. And Simon Peter, verse 16, answered, you are the Christ, the son of the, I want you to circle this, the living, circle it, the living God. Now let's think about our backdrop. Here's Jesus 
Caesarea Philippi. What's the backdrop? Tell me. It's rock. And in those crevices were these big pagan gods that were made of stone. Is a stone god living? No. What if I said to you this morning, come and bow down to this jar? You say, well, you crazy? Dead. Can't help me. Do you know much of the world today bows down to a Buddha? Christianity is the only religion that serves a living God. See, this can't help you. Not unless you're going to put flowers in it. Then That's cool. But it can't help you. So Peter says, you're the son of the living God compared to, what's the backdrop? Dead God. Stone God. No help. You have a living God today. That's incredible. A God who cares, who hears, who directs, who understands you. That's why you're here. Now, as you see that, watch Jesus' response, verse 17. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Our words, we'd go like this. Way to go, Pete. He's saying you got it right. He said for, by the way, Pete, this was not revealed to you by man, but my father in heaven. You must understand this. The key word is revealed. You see, at the core of who you are and who I am this morning is spiritual. So Jesus says to Pete, Pete, that didn't come by your emotions. That didn't come by your, let's see, A plus B divided by three, take the square root. Ah, you're God. No, it didn't come that way. Nothing wrong with our brain. But it came because God, watch, watch me, opened his spiritual eyes. He finally saw who this was that he'd been following for three years. God revealed it to him. We would know nothing about God unless he opens our eyes. If you have a lost loved one, friend, neighbor, coworker, student, friend, the key you want to pray for is for God to open their eyes. You can't do it. I can't do it. Oh, yes, we can witness. We should. But the only one that's going to reveal to a person that they're lost that their sin is going to separate them, is God. And so this wasn't a decision made on emotion. It was He was waiting to hear from God, and God revealed it to him. Next thing you want to write is this. If a person wants to know the truth, God will reveal it to him. You see, God, he says, if you'll seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. Because you and I can't, You can't come to God whenever you think you can. Oh, yes, I can. No, you can't. Let me read you a verse out of John 6. Jesus said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. So you're not in control. If God doesn't reveal to you that you need him, you can't come to him. He wants to reveal to you, but you have to be open to do that. And now we come to verse 18. There are some verses in the Bible that are difficult. There's some verses in the Bible that are controversial and misunderstood. If this isn't the number one verse that's misunderstood and controversial, it's certainly in the top 10. Here it is. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this circle of word, this is going to be the whole teaching, this rock, I will build my, it's the first time we hear this word, my church. And the gates of Hades hell, death, will not overcome it. Now, before we get into delving into that, 
We will in a moment. The key is, Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. New concept. What is it? What's it going to look like? What? Something different than the synagogue? Yes. If you ask 100 people on the street, what is a church, would you get amazing answers? Every single one of us know people that what? Used to go to church. Well, who stole that from them? Satan. So you pray and you ask them, come on back with me. Let God begin to use you again and you enjoy church because church, it says here that Hades, Satan can't defeat it. The church isn't going away. The church is going to be triumphant. And this is where we're taught. Well, Ray Steadman came up with these ideas of what a church is like. Let me read them to you quickly. A church is like Some people would say a snooty religious country club bound by strange, almost secret rituals, traditions, and jargon. A church is a political action group waging war on the behalf of the political agenda of either the right or the left. A church is, I like this one, a church, many people say, is a waiting room where people wait expectively rather than passively for the next bus to heaven. Is that why you're here? Hope the rapture's today. I'd like to be in church. Here we go. A collection of hypocrites who care more about expensive pipe organs, stained glass stone buildings than they do about the hurting and the hungry in the world. A church is a place where religious junkies get together to get their weekly good feeling fix so they can make it for another week. The church is a collection of sanctimonious killjoys who want to legislate morality for me and the rest of the world. Well, the church isn't any of those things. It could be some churches fall into that category, but not the church of Jesus Christ. The church in its most basic element just means this, watch me, called out. It's a group of people called out to live differently and to impact their world. Here's a definition I want you to write for. The Greek term of church is ekklesia, just called out ones. Here's what I'd like you to write. The church. What, what is the church? Lots of definitions. Easy one for you to remember. It's a living organism. It's living. It's alive. It's a body of believers. And that means they're followers of Jesus who carry out the purposes of God on this earth. You see, when you got saved, you were put into the body of Christ, you were gifted, and we were not to isolate ourselves and not have an impact on the world. No, we're going to be salt and light. We're going to have a big salt shaker up here. You're going to see it's going to be exciting. You see, and as we do that, we impact our world. The church would have walls. It would not have walls. Did you know that the church, the early church, didn't really have walls? They didn't really have buildings. Oh, they met in homes, and they, and they met maybe in a synagogue or a school. But the, the New Testament church didn't really have formal buildings for 300 years. And yet, after the day of Pentecost, within 20 years, they turned the world upside down. See, we think we got to have all of this. We like this. Nothing wrong with this. This isn't the church. It isn't just a building where there's walls. In fact, most of the time, it's outside the walls. So Jesus is defining for us what a church is. Let me give you three illustrations. The church is, number one, it's a universal church. It's a universal church. It's worldwide. Any person, doesn't matter, Catholic, Protestant, whatever, if they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, ask 
him to come in and change their life and begin following him and obeying the Bible, they're believers. And when you see that happening, that's the universal church. Went to this incredible church in Japan, taught with an interpreter, and here was people I've never seen before, but we are family. Why? Because we have the same head, Jesus Christ. And see, the church is universal, but it's also local. And, of course, the First Baptist and the Presbyterian and the Church of Christ over here, we're all family together. We're just in different buildings. Now, there's some we're not family with that call themselves church. You know, the Church of Scientology. It's interesting. It's an oxymoron. It's not science, and it's not a church. And, and they're just totally pagan. The Mormons, well, they don't believe in the same Jesus. They, they would never say, you are the son of the living God. So they're not part of us. They call themselves a church, the Church of the Latter-day Saints, but they're, they're pagans. They're wonderful people. They're just lost. And so when you think about that, we have a local church, we have a universal church, but the bottom line is this. The most basic element of a church is a person who's accepted Jesus Christ. See, the body says, uh, when we accept Christ, he comes into us and we become the body of Christ. We become a living temple of the Holy Spirit. So when you became a Christian, God came and lived within you. I am the church. You are the church. People are the church. Now, when we speak of the word church, is there a church, universal, local, or individual that's perfect? Well, let's go to the basic unit of a church. The basic unit of a church is people. Any person you know that's perfect? I know a few of you would like to raise your hands, but your spouse will take care of that in a heartbeat. Because, here we go, there are no perfect people. You got it. You're not perfect. Go ahead and do it. Because we like to say, you're not perfect. So there are no perfect churches. When I go through this, the reason I'm using this as a backdrop is because you're going to see this morning, we have to differentiate a few things. And when I go through this, you're going to understand there are no perfect churches. The leader of the church is perfect. That's God, Jesus. But there are no perfect churches. We're just people. And if you're searching for one, you won't ever find one because you're going to be part of it. Quit looking for the perfect church. You won't find it. Now let's go and tackle this difficult situation. Verse 18. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now when Jesus used the word rock, for you and I that doesn't mean too much. For the Jews, it meant a lot. Let's say you struggle with a a devotion during the week, you, you want to do something. Let me give you something. Take your concordance or your Bible computer program. You can get them very reasonable. Put the word rock in to search for all the, and just, use, just search through the Old Testament. What will you find? You'll find the word rock used everywhere in the Old Testament. See, the rock in the Old Testament was equal to God. Stable, firm, not moving, can be trusted. Let me read you a couple of verses. Deuteronomy 32.4. He, God, is the rock. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright in justice. Second Samuel 22, 2. He said, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. So 
when Jesus was standing there and he says to Peter, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Well, there's three things that we have to look at. Three options. What does this rock mean? And that will divide us a little bit. Now, remember, what is the background? The background is rock. Remember that. So, in the original language, it's kind of a play on words. The original language makes it clearer than just rock, rock. He says, you are a rock, Petros. He says to Peter, Peter, you're a little stone. You're a little rock. You're a little rock. And then Jesus goes on and he says, upon this rock, big rock, huge rock, foundation boulder, I will build my church. So here's the three questions. The rock that Jesus is going to build on, is it Peter? Is it Peter's testimony? He says, well, you're God and you're the Messiah. Is that the rock? Is that confession of who Jesus is and everybody that believes that becomes a Christian? Or is it number three? Is Jesus saying here, Peter, you're a little stone. And Peter, remember the, the backdrop is, is rock. And, and Jesus says, by singling, and on Jesus, and on this rock, I'm going to build my church. So let's go through the three. Is Jesus saying, Peter, a little stone, I'm going to build the church on a man. Or, Peter, on this confession you just made, that I'm God, I'm the Messiah, on that confession I'm going to build my church. And everybody that belongs to my church is going to have to make that confession. Or, is, is the rock, Jesus says, with his background, living rock, on this rock, Jesus, I'm the foundation of the church. Which of those three is it? Now when you come through that, It's basically divided into two churches. The Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, and the Protestant Church. And we believe a lot the same in a lot of things, but there is a difference here. We're not trying to slam anybody's church. I already told you that there's no perfect church. Anyone that calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. doesn't matter what church they belong to as long as they follow the Lord and the Bible. So we believe there's certainly Catholics that are Christians, Protestants are Christians. There's a lot of people in the Catholic Church that are not saved. There's lots of people in the Protestant churches that aren't saved. I want to tell you that there's still people in this church that aren't saved. So it's not about the church. Remember, it all comes down to what? An individual saying, who do you say I am? So understand what I'm going to say. So the Catholic Church believes that when Jesus made this statement, the statement was to Peter himself. And the Catholic Church believes when Jesus said, Peter, on you, I'm going to build this church. And from that came the Catholic Church. Now, understand the word Catholic just means universal. Universal is everybody. But the Roman Catholic Church, by the way, that split in the Eastern Orthodox Catholic Church is different. But they believe that when Jesus said, Pete, on you, I'm going to build my church, that all the authority for every church would come under a man. That man would be a pope. The church is the most important institution on the earth, so we'd better understand it. How did it get started? And what is the most important question ever posed to man? How does it affect his inclusion in the church? 
In today's message, Pastor Mark explained that Jesus' question to Peter, who do you say that I am, is the most important question a person will ever face in this life. The answer will determine that person's eternal destiny. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. What did Jesus mean when he said to Peter, Upon this rock I will build my church? Did he mean Peter? Was he really going to build his church upon one man? Or did he mean Peter's confession of him as the Messiah, the Son of God? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark answers these questions and more. He will prove that Peter did not think that Jesus was building the church upon him. Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurry.